So, Mickey, you're a performing artist. Is that how you would explain uh, what you do? Uh, yeah, it's probably the nearest description. Don't really fit into boxes as such. So, no. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, yeah, I've always struggled with how to describe who I am, what I do, I suppose. Um, somewhere along the lines of performing artists because, yeah, a lot of what I do is clown, but if you say clown, people think red noses and 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 big wigs and, and, and I mean, not that I have anything against big red noses either, but, yeah, it's not... What I do is not trad circus clown. It's, you know, contemporary clown character clown something like that but you start getting into all that and people have, haven't got a clue what you're talking about half the time so yeah if I say I, don't, I quite often say circus performer but then even that's not right because I don't usually tour with circuses so, although I have done so well can I ask you about the galleon the boat that I photographed you in please mm-hmm. how did that develop where did that idea come from uh, so that uh, where did that come from uh, that came from, so, so I make props, oh, i deal with the dog a minute. Oh, come here, come here, come here, right, here. come up here, That's it. You'll sit on there and then you'll be, behave, right, so there. So yeah, the galleon came about, Thing it's uh, so I make I make props for walkabout street theatre for usually for myself sometimes for other people as well I do commissions but mostly I make stuff and then use it myself and uh, so I'd already made a a balloon hot air balloon that's a sort of walkabout and uh or cold air balloon to be more precise and uh and i made and i had a penny farthing which somebody i worked with used to ride along behind me as the butler with a with a tray of tray of sort of tea and we'd like ride around and then set up picnics in really you know in the middle of the street with a picnic blanket and and the whole kit and so I think some of it came out of like us traveling by air and land and then we wanted a sea element to add to the walkabout so we'd have like these three different elements uh but I think the inspiration in many ways for the galleon specifically was we made a I made a couple of blunderbusses for for some uh they were for for these farmer characters, and uh, and I made these blunderbusses that fired the party poppers, and it would sort of shoot out of her. And then I think from that I thought like, ah, oh, it'd be really cool to like have three or four of those on each side of a galleon, and then you could like pull a lever and it would fire out all these party poppers so you could sort of broadside people and then fire all these party poppers out. And uh, I just like that that sort of imagery from from galleons where when all the flaps open and all the guns come out and then and then them to fire a load of party poppers. So I think it was initially that that got that was the like catch that was like, oh yeah we could do that. Oh that would be really cool. So then I mean 
that's that was the sort of process that was the that was the bit that got us going and although we never actually did that <laughs> so it's the Not way yet. i still haven't i still haven't got around to actually making that bit of it but and how was it driven so it's uh, built on a mobility scooter so it's stripped a, got an old mobility scooter stripped it right down to just to the chassis really and the motor and the wheels and then and then the electronics and and then rigged that built a metal frame around around that and then built a wooden frame around that basically learned how to boat build effectively I mean like trial and error sort of boat building process but I made it with a friend of mine that I worked with up in Sheffield Richard Gillick and uh, yeah the, the two of us spent I, th- I think it was about two months to make that to make that because it was all yeah I mean we were building it up and then discovering that yeah the planks of wood that we were like so it's sort of shiplapped and uh, in in ply and then it would all go out of shape and we'd like lose all the shape and we'd have take it all back down again and then start again and discovered that what you do is you start in the middle and work your way out to the sides whereas we were starting at the front and trying to pull it to the back so trial and error but yeah it's about I think it was about two months and we got a we got a uh, gig to do it I sold it which always helps it's sort of like if you if you sell it for a gig saying, sell the oh, idea sell the idea or or the prop usually claiming it already exists so oh I've made this amazing prop and we'll bring this and uh, and then you think like oh I've got to make it now so what so, year did you build it oh that was oh goodness I can't think 2000 and Mm. Oh, couldn't tell you that. Two, 2014, perhaps, something like that. And how many times have you used it since then? For how many gigs? And what kind of gigs? Uh, it's uh, Initially, it got used in, uh, in a town in the Midlands called Netherton, for Netherton Arts Centre. Uh, they had a big celebration because they, they, they forged the anchor... For for the um, for the Titanic, and uh, they forged a replica one, and it was you know put up in the town as a, as this sort of like sculpture really, and uh, and they 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 were having a big celebration thing about the arrival of this of this replacement anchor that was presented in the town. So it was probably around the time of the sort of 100th anniversary of of the Titanic, so that would probably tell you what, what year it was, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, and any other events and, that spring uh, to so, mind? So it went to that, yeah. and then it went... That was its initial outing, and then it's been to lots of things, actually. It's been all over the place. So. Well, how do you use it? What's the scenario... So uh, it's got various forms that it goes out in. It can go out looking all neat and tidy and sort of like with pretty sails. And so it can be a sort of... So it gets used in that form for the... Around the world by air, land and sea that I do. Um, It also gets used in that form or more as a pirate ship for a... 45 minute show circle show that I do with a friend of mine Jake England Johns and uh, 
we do do a 45 minute show called the tale of captain grimbeard which is you know pan panto-esque kind of street show outdoor show so we use it for that and then also in its incarnation that you took photos of is is a completely different set of rigging where everything's sort of broken and and tattered and and then that's that's an act called the ferryman which is again it's two-person act normally and uh and we're like these where these two ferrymen that ferry the souls of the dead across the river sticks and so so that gets tends to get used sort of halloween and at times like that where we like just drift through and we don't speak we just like stare through people really it's and it's got lighting it's got a smoke machine it's got sound effects yeah yeah, it's it's got also a little in the back it's got a little um where like the room that the captain might have slept in at the top at the back was if you look through the windows it's like a one twelve scale you said yeah yeah that's right yeah so I rigged up the yeah because we had the sort of captain's cabin bit in the back of the galleon and yeah we sort of we made it to a scale because that fitted with the scale of the boat and it's we thought oh if we do it twelfth scale that's that's the scale you can use for like all sorts of doll's house sort of furniture and there's, there's an entire world out there of dolls as furniture <laughs> like really that's quite remarkable but um yeah it saves you having to make stuff you could just buy you know wardrobes and and tables and chairs and things so we were able to kit it out like a captain's cabin so it just gives a extra element for when kids staring because it's a child head height really so so a six, seven-year-old can just peer in through the little windows. Any memorable moments from previous acts that you've done, performances, when you've used that, and, and what kind of reaction do you get from people? I thought, look, one of the... We did a, we did a show at the Garden of Delights in uh, Chesterfield, and we were drifting around, and there was a, there was a lad with his dad and he was really freaked out we sort of drifted past and it's there's all this wailing and clanking of chains and he was he was really freaked out and and then he got kind of used to it and then he started to get really cocky with it and he was sort of like and he was running along and shouting stuff at us and he started to get really really bold and then we just stopped the boat and looked round at him and he sort of stopped and he was sort of like ah that's all right i can still like this and then Dave, my friend Dave Ford, who I was working with, just stepped out of the boat and walked towards him with the lamp. And he was, and he was so... Because the boat's contained and you're kind of in a boat, so you wouldn't get out. The fact that he suddenly stepped out and was on the land walking, to, this kid just screamed and just ran off. And his, and his father was just cracking up laughing because he's going, well, that showed him. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> the reaction was so extreme. It was really funny because we broke that kind of barrier of being in the boat and... Yeah. So is that a large part of your work where you're, you're, you, you're very skillful in the way you get people to react to what you're doing? And often you're not doing anything at all. You're not saying anything. It's just a look. Uh, so with that act, it's definitely kind of very minimal. And I mean, you know, you're bizarrely working quite hard to do very little, but it's 
there's sometimes you know less is more so it's sort of yeah you do you don't do much because you don't need to with that act like um when that ship goes past because it's silent moving because it's electric motor so it just drifts past very silently it's got sort of wreathed in smoke from the smoke machine and it's just this kind of bit of a soundtrack going on which is lapping of waves and then the odd wail and the odd clank of chains it's sort of eerie and it has a really nice effect of like people people see it coming oh wow look at this oh oh no oh and you can sort of almost see the hackles come up on the back of, you know hairs on the back of their neck come up as they're like oh that's that's quite spooky actually and that's what's nice about it is that it's it's unnerving rather than rather than in your face yeah look here's an axe and it's uh, you know here's loads of blood it's it's you know it's more subtle than that and Halloween isn't generally isn't very subtle, and that that actually is. But in a nutshell, are you able to explain your life previous to using the galleon? You've basically been working as a performing artist for about twenty years, and you've travelled all over Europe. Yeah, longer than that. I think it's yeah. I've been saying twenty years for so long. It must be at least thirty by now. In fact, it's probably thirty-five. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I. I um, yeah, I quit. I quit doing. I I worked in a. <laughs> I worked in a nuclear power station, um, as an instrument fitter, controlling, yeah, winding nuclear reactors up and down in temperature to check the instrumentation all worked properly, <laughs> which is, and then somewhere somewhere in that I saw some people like busking, doing street shows circle shows and juggling and I'd started to learn to juggle and I suddenly just looked in and I thought I want to be doing that I don't want to be like you know working a normal job so and well not even a normal job fairly unnormal job but and yeah so over the next few years I like yeah packed in my job and started busking and lived off nothing but busking for 10 years, travelled all around Europe. And I remember at some point in Cáceres in Spain being on a pitch with three other people taking it in turns on a pitch, which is how I saw these guys and kind of went, I want to do that. And like 10 years later, I was there doing that, living that lifestyle. So I moved out of a house, bought a bus, travelled around. And what yeah. is that lifestyle like? Is it sometimes that you make a lot of money quickly and other times you're really destitute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's totally... Yeah, it's it's feast or famine. I mean, wintertime is always just rubbish. So if you're, if you're living off busking, yeah, you just... Yeah, if you find a good pitch, it can be really good. I found it, I found it problematic in the... In a way, I was sort of doing it to have freedom, but in many ways, my life was controlled a lot more by the police than it was previously because, yeah, I might turn up somewhere and think like, oh, this is a really good pitch. Here's a really good place to park up. I can stay here for a week and earn some money, do a few shows, it's all going well. And I think like, okay, I'll stay here for a bit and get some funds. And then the police turn up and say, clear off and then you're on the move again so so you don't really have that much control over your life it tends to get dictated by 
mostly by the police or the authorities that say, oh, you can't park here or you can't busk here, you can't do this. You know, I mean, the, the street's a public place, to my mind. To my mind, it's, you know, because it's a public place, I can go and stand in a public place and if people choose to stand around me and and I'll do something and and they you know like juggling or whatever and they they all stand around and watch it there's there's all this thing you know oh you have to have permission you have to have a license it's like to do what to to just exist in a public place because that's what I'm doing and you know and people choose to give me money to support that lifestyle I suppose of an itinerant street entertainer and so what you're doing harks back to hundreds if not thousands of years yeah and you're not really into modern technology in the sense of phones or gadgets are you so much not not so much no i mean you know in order to exist as a in order to exist in the way i want to i, I yeah try and get my expenses down to an absolute minimum because then I don't have to earn as much which makes it feasible you know if you've got thousands of pounds a month of outlay then then you can't can't do it so then you have to like find other forms of work and uh, but but yeah if you minimize it then you know I yeah I'm not I'm not a complete luddite I'm not I don't you know I'm not like opposed to technology I just uh, a lot of it I just don't need and I don't bother with so you know I'm had television for 35 years you know so and where do you me, see brought that? me daughter up without television or anything so well yes you you um, brought her your daughter you you got one child uh, mm-hmm. who's now 25 you brought her up mm-hmm. on the road you did a very good job by all accounts where, where do you hope um your career will take take you in the future what are you planning next um you're more static now aren't you I suppose, yeah, maybe, yeah, sort of. I mean, you know, you don't really... I, n- I never really know quite what's going to happen. Um, I've got I've got a kind of... sort of have a sh- uh, an in- a shortish attention span, but quite an intense one. So I'll suddenly find something that interests me and I throw myself all in at it and that becomes a sort of dominant thing in my life and then I'll get I'll have had enough of it and it'll something else will take its place and I'm never I never know what those things are going to be whether it you know mostly it's been around performance based stuff so you know a new piece of circus equipment like I got really into sear wheel I got really into acrobatics um you know Previously got really into juggling, but loads of different types because I'd do juggling balls for a bit and then I'd be bored. And then I'd like start start doing Diablo and then I'd do something else and it was so it's constantly changing. So so in terms of like what comes in the future, I suppose it's probably whatever takes my fancy at the time and whatever just becomes too interesting to ignore <laughs> which is which is kind of can be problematic because it, it it rarely it rarely fits in with necess- you know sometimes it's financially viable other times it's not so 
Like I got really into fishing recently and I just spent loads and loads of time going fishing and it's sort of like, you know, it's not, it's not particularly, you know, useful because we're not very good at it, but, you know, you can't, like, you can't really like... But you're able to feed yourself from it. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, a, like, it's not an option for like feeding yourself, I don't think. But... And lastly, Mickey, do you have any messages for the world like while you're able to talk? <laughs> get a grip get a grip world will you no um oh god that's that's what, I don't and what know. are your feelings Just, these days about how the world's going oh um i think it's uh it really changes like what i think about it like, like leaps from optimistic to pessimistic uh depending on my own mood um there's sort of you know there's so many there's so many sort of good things happening out there that don't ever get reported on uh there's a lot of you know there's a lot of promise in a lot of the a lot of the youth they're sort of doing you know being active and and you know taking on taking on governments and systems i mean you know i've i i'm a like, proper old school anarchist i don't like and i don't have much truck with the system or doing as you're told i'm i'm really poor at doing as i'm told which is which is a good thing um of I don't, yeah, I don't, I'd, I'm happily, I'll happily be told to do something by somebody because something needs doing and they, and they know how to do it and they're like, can you do this? You know, that's fine. But being told to do something by, by an authority figure is, is not something I, I cope with at all. So, um, because always, you're, you're more about freedom of expression. Is that where it comes from? Yeah, and and uh, self, yeah, and uh, self responsibility. It's sort of like you know, anarchism always has like a bad name, like the idea that it's like all about smashing things up. But it's the exact opposite, really. It's like you you have to consider what you're. You've got freedom to do whatever you want, but you also through that have the responsibility of doing, you know, doing what's what's right what's morally right what's and looking at your actions and seeing how those actions are going to affect other people so it's bearing all of that in mind rather than just being told you can do this you can't do this by by a government it's sort of like i don't i don't really see that as a useful system and really most people most people actually you know, they have a moral compass and they li- most people are, you know, morally good people. They're, and they're, they need to be... There needs to be a promotion of of their, you know, giving people more self-responsibility and for them to recognise that they don't have to do as they're told but should do what they feel is right and take responsibility for their actions. <laughs>